Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, thank you so much for making this possible and also for this wonderful encouragement that we're going to receive today from these uh, revelations that are given. And uh, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We're looking forward to your coming and uh, bringing this awesome revival. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, I'm going to start with, we'll call this Resurrection of Jesus and His Church. Mm-hmm. And the first revelation uh, was given to Missy Pollock. Uh, everything we have belongs to the Lord. Amen. And she got this on 12 22 And she said this morning... For the prayer meeting, I asked the Lord, what is the number one thing you want to tell us? And then I received by faith at random, First Chronicles 29 and 5. Who then offereth willingly to consecrate himself this day unto the Lord? And in context, uh, 1 through 28. And David the king said unto all the assembly, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender. And the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might uh, for the house of my God, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, the brass for the things of brass, the iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood onyx stones uh, and stones to be set, stones for inlaid work and of diverse colors and all manner of precious stones and uh, marble stones in abundance. So in this parable, David here had fought the wars to win the peace for the kingdom and uh, prepared richly for the building of the temple. He evidently received quite a bit for the building of the temple, as we know the man-child is going to do also. And uh, this was just as Sheshbazar received from the king riches to rebuild the temple. And it was then that his name was changed to Zerubbabel, uh, which represents the resurrected man-child, because he came out of uh, Babylon, right? And that's what Zerubbabel means, born from Babylon. So this was uh, just as Solomon, the prince of peace, um, Solomon meaning peaceful, the prince of peace, the son of David, represents the resurrected man-child. 
So this text was a word from the Lord that we are there. Mm -hmm. Verse 3. Moreover, also, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, seeing that I have a treasure of mine own of gold and silver, I give it unto the house of my God. Over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house who then offered willingly to consecrate himself this day unto the Lord. And then the princes of the fathers' houses, and the princes of the tribes of Israel, and the captains of thousands and of hundreds, with the rulers over the king's work, offered willingly. And they gave for the service of the house of God of gold, five thousand talents, ten thousand derricks, of silver, 10,000 talents, and of brass, 18,000 talents, and of iron, 100,000 talents. So, anyway, this came to me that we have personally seen at this time people of the king's house giving sacrificially to the building of the temple, which is the people of God coming into the kingdom. Our many missionaries are seeing many thousands of people coming into the kingdom because of these gifts. And many of these people would be killed or for turning to Christianity, and some have been killed for that. So, reading on here, I'm going to go to verse 9. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Verse 14. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as all of our fathers were. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there's no abiding. Uh, o Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee a house for thy holy name cometh of thy hand, and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart, and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and now I have seen with joy thy people that are present here offer willingly unto thee. Praise the Lord. Verse 19. And give unto Solomon my son a perfect heart to keep thy commandments thy testimonies, and thy statutes, and to do all these things, and to build the palace for which I have made provision. And they sacrificed sacrifices unto the Lord, verse 21, and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord on the morrow after that day, even a thousand bullocks and a thousand rams and a thousand lambs uh, with their drink offerings, and sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. So they sacrificed their flesh. <laughs> they, 
They were meeting the needs of building the temple of God, which was the people, right, coming into the kingdom. In verse 22, And did eat and drink before the Lord on that day with great gladness. They made Solomon the son of David king the second time, and anointed him unto the Lord to be prince, and Zadok to be priest. Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David his father, and prospered. And all Israel obeyed him. And all the princes and the mighty men and all the sons likewise of King David submitted themselves unto Solomon the king. And the Lord magnified Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel and bestowed upon him such royal majesty as had not been on any king before him in Israel. Verse 26. And now David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. And then verse 28. And he died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon his son reigned in his stead. So Missy said, The Lord spoke to Debbie Fenske this word as I was reading these verses in in First uh, Chronicles. 29. My children, you must lay down your lives. Do you understand what this means? Be ready, be willing to give up all, all that is dear to you. Be ready. Fear not this call I have upon your life. I sensed the Lord wanted me to share this, and after a bit when I was going to worship the Lord, I put it on shuffle, and beauty of holiness came on. And I knew immediately that it went with the verses and that I was supposed to share this. And another song that came up was, Take My Life. That's another agreement with the text, right? Um, and now I want to share this revelation from Debbie Fenske, 1224-22. Lose your life to save it. I believe that today, more than ever, Jesus is telling us, save your life. It's what he spoke to me a few weeks ago. There were two other scriptures that were shared in our morning Zoom meeting regarding giving up our lives by dying to self. Uh, Don Laughlin had um, Luke 9 23 through 27. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? For whosoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed. And uh, Judy, Judy, got this, Judy Farno, uh, Matthew twelve forty six through 49. While he was speaking to the crowd, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. 
Someone said to him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him, and said, Who is my mother and my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whosoever does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, is my brother and sister and mother. Well, thank you, Father, for your continued warning to us to obey, as he said, you in giving up our lives and to let go of anything that uh, comes between our relationship with you, Lord. May we each hear you and receive from you as you tell us what you want us to do and to help us to hate our lives and be wholly devoted to you, first and foremost. Thank you for your mercy towards us. Father, in Jesus' name, pray for God to raise up the man-child, she says. Okay. Amen. We do. We pray, Lord, that you will bring your man-child. In Hosea chapter 5, in the end of the chapter, uh, when God's people cried out to God, uh, he said in Hosea 6, 1, 2, and 3, that the man-child was going to come, that Jesus would come again as a man-child born to a woman on the morning of the third day at the latter rain. Hallelujah. Okay, here's a revelation that's given to Vanessa Weeks, 4.3.23. Pray for the coming of Jesus in the man-child. And it's exactly what this revelation says. It's time to do this. In a dream, I was in the UBM house with some others. The house was beautiful and clear of clutter. The floors were all polished and shining. There was a lot of room because everything we needed was against the walls. I believe this means that all we need will be within our walls, including uh, sanctification, because that's what a wall represents, right? So this was also a multi-story house, and I knew we were working on doing something with the teachings, but it was different than it is now. Well, we kind of know about that. We've been hearing from the Lord about that for some time, uh, getting the word out by many methods, including supernaturally, as the angels have told us they were going to do. Yes, and they've done it before, too. Supernaturally. Uh, Matthew, meaning gift of God, and I were standing in a small room with white walls, meaning sanctification. And when David came in through the door, and I believe David represents the man-child reformers, the three of us were standing together with David in the middle. And David said he felt weak. And uh, she gives Second Corinthians uh, 12 and 10, Wherefore I take pleasure in weaknesses, in injuries, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen. 
Well, also, I would like to say that weakness precedes death. Death to self. And this precedes the resurrection life of Jesus. So weakness is a way to get us into the life of Jesus, right? And then David started to fall. So Matthew and I helped lay him down on the rug. Matthew lowered David's feet, and I lowered his head onto the rug. Matthew went to get help. And I thought David was dying or was already dead. And I thought to myself, this can't be happening. Well, we know that death must come before resurrection power, right? And that's what this is talking about. I knelt by David, I took his hand, and prayed something like, Lord, let David live. And the same thing we titled this with. Uh, we're praying for God to raise up the man-child and to bring the Lord, right? So, um, Lord, let, let David live. And the Lord wants us to pray this now, I believe. The Lord... Uh, to bring your resurrection life in the man-child David's. Father, come quickly. We need you. The world needs you. The revival awaits you. And we ask you to come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. I remember praying fervently, Lord, there is much you promised, David. And she said, I asked the Lord for a word about a promise to David and received by faith at random feet in Romans 10 and 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Even as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings of good things. Well, that's uh, obviously a description of the gospel, which will go out in a much stronger way, like it came out of Jesus. <laughs> who was a type of the man-child. And so we can see that this a powerful, powerful anointing is going to go forth to bring people into the kingdom. The good news, the really great news is going to go forth. Much of the church doesn't know about it, but they're going to be excited, those that are the elect of God. And I also prayed, Lord, there is much you said you would do through him, and you are not a liar. Well, when I said, Lord, you are not a liar, David became conscious. In other words, came back to life, right? He leaned on his left side and put his right hand around me and agreed with my prayer and said, Yes, Amen. Then he jumped up and was gone, and I thought he went to the next room to show the nurses dressed in white that he was alive and well. <laughs> well, we know uh, resurrection life is what Solomon represents, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. So uh, he's come in a body of the Son of David. Okay, another parable, right? Uh, and in the man-child. Jesus is coming in the man-child, and he will be shown to be superior to those who seek to heal in the natural talking about nurses, right? 
Yes, indeed. They're making a big thing about the med beds and things like that. But let me tell you, this is going to supersede all of that. And then at least uh, a day went by and I did not know where David was. I was sitting on a metal bench outside in a courtyard of a college campus. Well, uh, the man-child went to the School of Higher Education. <laughs> uh, let's just call it that. Um, as in Gabe's dream, where he saw the man-child go to college. Amen. So, everything seemed new as I looked to my left, I saw a lady with long blonde hair who knew David and was a believer. She was standing against a gray building and holding some books. I think the lady represents believers who are submitted to the light of Christ, talking about her blonde hair, and dying to self uh, but lack understanding. Well, gray represents not white, not black. And it's, of course, time to go on to white, right? She uh, represents those who, who come to get our books, I believe, to grow in the Lord. And many immature or new believers in the Middle East and in Africa are reading our books. Praise be to God. And they're spreading. They're printing them as fast as possible. I wanted to tell her what happened to David and how God raised him up. And I knew she would be happy as I was. And just then a man dressed in a black robe, I believe this, what the Lord spoke to me about this, this is a judge's robe, people who judge others uh, rather than themselves, with yellow religious symbols. Uh, I think this is feigning to be Christian, because judges are not Christian. And uh, wearing a black hat, representing being uh, submitted to darkness, under darkness. And he walked past in between us, in other words, between us and this woman, very quickly. So I, I deem from that that the uh, faction has tried to separate us from those who need our teachings. But the man-child Davids will scatter them as the Edomites. So then I went to her and joyfully told her about God raising David up. Well, we know that the wicked will not be able to stop those who want truth from finding their reformation through the man-child Davids. And that's what this represented. Then some of us from UBM were standing in a small room, and I saw David. He looked like a different man, and about Matthew's age. But I recognized him. Well, he's about the age of Jesus when he started his ministry. So that's very important. And I told him he looked better now, and he laughed. Well, I believe this will be the beginning of the restoration from the curse 
uh, in Joel 2, 23 on down. Uh, it says, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he giveth to you the former rain, and in just measure, and he causes to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. So we know, according to Hosea 6, 2 and 3, that the Lord is coming as the latter rain. This anointing that's going to come upon the man-child body of reformers is this latter rain anointing. It is Jesus coming, as uh, Hosea said. That's how Jesus is coming, Hosea 6, 1 through 3. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Who sent the curse to drive people to the Lord? Deuteronomy 28. It was the Lord who sent that. And these are obviously the worms that eat God's crop. But he's going to restore what they have taken from God's people all these years. These represent the curse on God's crop. Acts 3.21 also says, speaking of Jesus, whom the heaven must receive until the times of the restoration of all and things was not in the original. It has no numeric pattern in it. So it is the restoration of all. It's talking about God's people, God's elect. Whereof God spake by the mouth of his holy prophets that have been from of old. So there you have it. Uh, the heavens received Jesus until the time of the restoration of all. And he's coming to restore his people. All Many things have been stolen from God's people. Much, much since the beginning, right? After I woke up, I asked the Lord for a word in line with this dream and received by faith at random, Acts 2, 36. On him both Lord and Christ. And in context, verses 29 through 36. Acts 2.29 Brethren, I may say unto you freely of the patriarch David that he both died and was buried. Well, he, they asked for a word from the Lord concerning this, and here it is, the death of the Davids. And his tomb is with us unto this day. That's the death of the man-child David's, which will bring many more like him. Uh, John twelve twenty-four through 25 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a grain of wheat fall into the earth and die, it abideth by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You know, a lot of people want to bear much fruit in the you know, in the kingdom and in themselves and in their family, but they refuse the method, and the method is die, right? He that loveth his life loseth it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it 
unto life eternal. The, current, the grain of wheat has to fall into the earth and die to become many more. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins he would set one upon his throne. Well, David sowed a seed that brought forth many like him to dominion over the enemy. He led many people to conquer the enemies of God. So this represents the man-child caught up to the throne in Revelation 12 and 4. Uh, on down it says, And his tail draweth a third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. That's the dragon. That's the faction who is part of the dragon, who is uh, casting down the brothers of Jesus like Herod the Edomite did. Okay, so this is well-founded. Um, but we know the dragon did not get the man-child, and neither did Herod. And the dragon standeth before the woman that is about to be delivered, that when she is delivered, he may deliver, he devour her child. He wanted to devour the man-child, and that's what they've been trying to do. But they can't stop this. And she was delivered of a son, a man-child who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and unto his throne. Of course, the Lord had already spoken uh, to the churches that him that overcometh uh, would rule the nations with a rod of iron. He wasn't talking about Jesus personally himself. Of course, we know that it is Jesus in us that does this job. Right? So, this throne that he's being caught up to represents dominion over powers of darkness. Yeah. And uh, the curse and uh, the people of God. Dominion over these things. And verse 31, let's go back to our text here. Verse 31 he foreseeing this spake of the resurrection of the Christ, that neither was he left unto Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. So, so there's the David dying, and here we see the resurrection, right? So the resurrection of Christ in us will be seen in the man-child Davids, and then in many disciples. See, because history has to repeat. What happened in Jesus' day is happening in our day, except now the church is much larger. <laughs> and so there's a corporate body that comes to the corporate body church. And that's these, um, these uh, man-child ministers, right? Verse 32. This Jesus did God raise up, whereof we are all witnesses. So Jesus came in the body of a son of David, and this will be repeated in our day on a corporate body scale. Being therefore by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he hath poured forth this which you see and hear. So this was the former reign, but it represents the far greater and larger latter reign, 
in a much larger body of people. Hosea 6, 1 through 3 shows that Jesus will come to us as the latter rain. And on the morning of the third thousand year day from him where we are now. Hosea 6, 1 through 3. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. Repentance, see, crying out here. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days, that's two thousand year days, will he revive us, and on the third, I'll call it thousand year day, he will raise us up, and we shall live before him. And let us know, let us follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is sure as the morning. as the morning of the third day. And he will come unto us as the rain, as the latter rain that watereth the earth. And so, this is where we're headed right now. Verse 34. For David ascended not into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand. So Jesus said in Revelation 3.21, He that overcometh, I will give to him to sit down with me in my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father in his throne. And this throne is the throne of dominion authority. You say, we've been given that. Yes, it is written in there what you... Soever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, right? That's dominion authority. But how many of us are exercising it, and how well is it being exercised? And the the problem is the greater latter rain is coming to cause that, right? Verse 35, Till I make thine enemies the footstool of thy feet. So Jesus in the man-child and in all of us will bring dominion over our enemies. Revelation 2 and 26, And he that overcometh, and he that keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give authority over the nations. Notice, this is not people coming in and out of the kingdom like a lot of them do. This is somebody who keeps his works unto the end. He's going to give this authority, this throne authority to them. And it's over the nations. 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God hath made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. (laughs) Well, this foreshadows Jesus uh, manifested in the man-child reformer body through death and resurrection. And Philippians 3, 10 through 15 says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, that's the death part, right, becoming conformed unto his death. Notice you become conformed to his death and then you get this resurrection power, right? If by any means I may attain unto the resurrection from the dead. And this resurrection from the dead is the out-resurrection. It's the only place in the Bible this term is used. It's literally the out-resurrection from among the dead. In other words, they're dead all around us. This is a resurrection in this life. 
the resurrection life of Jesus, as he just mentioned it. Not that I have already obtained or am already made perfect. Now he's telling you that this resurrection life is perfection in you. Right? But I pressed on, if so be, that I may lay hold on that for which I was laid hold on by Christ Jesus. What did he lay hold on us for? To bring us to maturity. To bring us to perfection. So, and we need to be laying hold on what he laid hold on us for. Well, notice that we are to lay hold on this resurrection life, which which is being called perfect. That's Christ in you, by the way. Some people say we can't attain to. We're not talking about us attaining to anything. We're talking about Christ in us coming because of our faith. And some people say that Christ wouldn't be doing these things in these days, but they're so wrong because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 13. Brethren, I count not myself yet to have laid hold. In other words, I'm not claiming I've arrived. But one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are before. So this is why you must see Jesus in the mirror now because this has already happened and and we are accepting a gift that was already given. Verse 14, I press on towards the goal unto the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, which is what? That perfection he was talking about. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, be thus minded. And in other words, you are perfect by faith and um, he's saying he hadn't yet arrived, but He was accepting his gift by faith. He was pressing forward, right? Uh, And if in anything you are otherwise minded, this also shall God reveal unto you. He will show you how to walk this life of faith. The most vivid part of this dream was when I prayed for David. And I think it is what the Lord is emphasizing. Well, amen. We have been content to wait for God's perfect timing of the coming of the man-child. But now he is saying to pray the man-child ministry in. So we say, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. We've been shown a, a parallel in dreams that God has drawn between Trump, who is Cyrus, and the David man-child reformers. Uh, what one is in the natural, the other is in the spirit. So we behold um, in a prophecy by Ken Dewey, I believe the, the indictment of Trump representing a kind of trial or death that Jesus went through, right? Uh, so here it is. And, and Ken called this, if you think they are winning, stop it. (laughs) And he got this on April the 5th, 2023. He said, I heard this today as the enemy is indicting Trump. Do not fear the proceedings and the language and the accusations, for they are like the giant who came out daily to challenge the army of Israel. It was just talk. He talked. So do not listen to his talk, for he is not 
representing me, but he is the enemy. Well, these represent the spiritual giants who are the enemies of God's people. Right? I sent David, a small boy, to kill him. I am able to kill the giant and to put an end to the talk. I am more than them. Do not think that I am not working through these indictments and charges, for I am right there in the midst of them, and I am not even worried. I am that I am. Look up, see me, and know I have not stepped back or out of this time. I have not and will not because I am doing something in America. Remember, David killed the giant. I will have my way in this nation, and none can stop me, for this nation is mine. I have raised this nation up to accomplish my plans. Why does he say, remember, David killed the giant? Because he is coming in a David to kill the giant who stands against God's people and wants to warn them against following the Lord. Amen. I will not fail in accomplishing all my plans in this nation. It is as a melting pot, and it will melt and separate unto me my people from the evil people. It will separate the good from the bad. It will purify and cleanse for it is very hot. Yeah. Well, I tell you, there's a huge war coming. And I believe in the midst of this war, a lot of people are coming to God. And they're going to need Him. He goes on, None can dictate what will come out of the melting pot. I will have my way in and through it. Turn the words of the enemy into the fire, for I will try them before all, and the world looking on will see the enemy. To all my people, let me remind you that I have given you the power to tread on the enemy. I have given you power and authority, so you should speak your authority over all this event demanding that the enemy fails. I am in you, and you are my people. Stand up, my people, and assume your rightful place in this day. Speak in authority over the enemy, and take charge. I am your God. Do not forget that. And for sure, do not ever think that I have forsaken you. I have not, nor will I ever. The enemy will not prevail over my plans for this nation. I am. Okay, well, that leads us to Isaac's dream, which I'm going to share with you, which speaks of the resurrection of the man-child reformers after the completion of death to self. Yeah, another confirmation. And we called it Christ's triumph. Christ triumphs in Resurrection, Isaac Payne, three twenty six twenty three. He said, In this dream I was in the Spirit witnessing a field that did not have a lot of grass. 
It was a mixture of dirt and grass. And as I stood gazing at the field, I noticed a casket in the center. The casket was the focal point, and there was no grass growing around the casket. Well, he says no grass means no flesh left in the casket. That's dead, right? The flesh is dead, right? Okay. Well, uh, the grass, I believe, represents the, the flesh, according to 1 Peter one twenty four. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory thereof as the flower of grass. And the grass withereth, and the flower falleth. So the old man dies, the flesh dies. So the dirt is what man's flesh is made from. Remember, it was dirt and grass, right? Dirt is what your flesh came from. So it's, it's talking about the death of the old man. And as I continued to stare at the casket, I realized it was Jesus that was in this casket. Instantly it dawned on me that I was witnessing Jesus' resurrection after his death and burial in a modern-day burial procedure. As I was watching intently, suddenly a brilliant light began to form and illuminate from inside the casket, like you might consider that he might have happened back in the tomb, right? (laughs) Then the casket could not contain the brilliant illumination of light, and it was overtaken by this orb of pure white light. Well, John 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, which is Jesus, right? And without Him was not anything made that hath been made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness apprehended it not. Yes, he walked among men, and they did not recognize him, even though they had supposedly been studying their Bible, right? (laughs) So this light was outstanding, he says, and, and began to reverberate as if it were a heartbeat pulsating. I knew this brilliant orb was Jesus. Well, we know Jesus is the heart of God manifested in the flesh. And he said, I don't feel my vocabulary can describe the brilliant white light. However, if you compared the color white to his brilliant white, the color white would look dingy and tinted. Also, imagine the size and color of the sun reduced to a brilliant white, but having the same power of the sun, and you tried to contain it all in a box. It would be an unstoppable and uncontainable force, obliterating all darkness. It was as if it bleached out all colors in the spectrum, disposing of any darkness that forms within any individual color to create the aspects of that color, thus producing the absence of color into a brilliant white. 
this is what I saw. <clears throat> While witnessing Jesus as the reverberating brilliant white orb, suddenly as a fireball, he shot downward into the earth. As I looked at the aftermath of this powerful phenomenon, I saw there was a hole in the shape of a perfect circle going from the surface of the earth all the way to the center of the earth. Hmm. The hole was formed almost instantaneously, and all the layers of earth completely disintegrated with a fervent heat going down to his destination, which was in the center. Still witnessing the aftermath, the edges of the circular hole was like molten lava due to the intensity of the heat. Ephesians 4, 8-10 through 10 says this, Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now this, he ascended, what is it? but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth, like the orb did, right? He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So what happened here? <laughs> In the natural, I believe, it represents something that has happened and is going to happen again. He is going to take captivity captive. Because of sin, demons have been given authority on earth, as they have in hell. Many have experienced a living hell. But Jesus came and is coming to set the captives free. Isaiah 61, 1-4 says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. You'll recognize the sermon that the Lord preached when he first started. And also, I say, this is a, a word from the man-child uh, in, in this anointing and up, raising up of him, right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Have you ever thought, wonder if I'm going to have this bondage until I die? Well, you can see what the plan of God is. Jesus is coming to set the captives free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Of course, that's against the Edomites, we know. To comfort all that mourn and to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them a garland for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall build the old wastes, they shall raise up the former desolations, they shall repair the waste cities, 
the desolations of many generations. And he said, It then dawned on me that the stronger has gone to spoil the goods of the strong man and to set the captives free. And then I woke up. And he gives this, Matthew twelve twenty-eight through 30. But if I by the Spirit of God cast out demons, then is the kingdom of God come upon you. Or how can one enter into the house of the strong man and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man? And then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. So we're being called to plunder the devil's house. And if we don't, we will be scattered. If you don't chase the devil, you'll run from him. It's that simple. That's what he said. Christ conquered so that we can conquer all of our promised land. Hebrews two fourteen through 16, he gives. Since then the children are shares in flesh and blood. He himself, in like manner, partook of the same, that through death he might bring to naught him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver all them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see, it's through fear of death that many people uh, run to the salvation of this world. And in matter of fact, a lot of them did just do that, and they're dead and dying for it, right? But the Lord came to deliver us from that fear, so we don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about dying. For verily not to angels doth he give help, but he giveth help to the seed of Abraham. That is the believers, right? Psalm 16, 9 and 10. Therefore my heart is glad, my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall dwell in safety. For thou wilt not leave my soul to Sheol, that's the place of the dead, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. And also John eight thirty six it says, If therefore the Son of Man make you free, you shall be free indeed. And he goes on to say, I was reading Delivered from Dark Powers by David Eels and came across these pages, and it really spoke to me about this dream. Here is an excerpt from Delivered from Dark Powers, pages 10 through 12. Jesus made us able to be partakers in whatever we need. He made us able to plunder the devil's kingdom. And the devil's kingdom is wherever the devil rules or his curse reigns. And wherever the devil has ability, we have the ability to take it away from him. The devil has no power. Do you remember Joshua and Caleb were seeking to bring the children of Israel into the promised land? And after spying out the land, these two said that their enemy's defense was removed from over them. Numbers 14 and 9. 
Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is removed from over them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. We are not to fear the giants, like David, who spoke very boldly in front of a big giant. (laughs) And then his words came to pass. So all that the other ten spies could see were the giants. But Joshua and Caleb saw that the enemy had no armor. (laughs) That's the way we must see the enemies of God's kingdom. They are powerless against our commands uh, of deliverance or whatever. It makes no it makes no difference whether those enemies are lusts of the flesh, works of darkness, demons, the devil, or whatever. Their defense is removed from over them. They have no power against the word of God. Jesus was the stronger who came and took away their whole armor. Luke 11 and 22, right? Mm-hmm. Those spoils of the devil's kingdom are all the places where he has taken advantage of your life or taken authority over things or circumstances that God has put in your hands. And all these add up to spoils. We're taking them out from under his authority and we're putting them under the authority of the king. When Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, that's Acts 10 and 38, he was spoiling the devil's kingdom. If you are being oppressed of the devil, Jesus destroyed this oppression. He broke this power everywhere he went, whether it was hunger, sickness, demonic possession, mental need, it didn't make any difference. Jesus broke the opposition. He broke the oppression. And he told us to do the same thing. Because in Matthew 12 and 30, it says, He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth. Hmm. So, the devil's power over God's people rests in the fact that God's people don't know that his power has already been broken, and they don't know the authority that has been given unto them. Although the Word speaks it very plainly, it is still it still has to be a revelation that you pick up and do something with. The Bible says of Jesus, Colossians 2 and 15, Having despoiled the principalities and the powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Triumphing is celebrating the victory that has already been won. We're celebrating Jesus' victory over the devil and over the curse. Jesus himself triumphed over the devil, and he rubbed the devil's nose in what he had accomplished on the cross. The victory was at the cross. What came after the cross was the triumph. We now triumph in his victory, right? 2 Corinthians 2 and 14. 
But thanks be unto God, who always leadeth us in triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest through us the savor of his knowledge in every place. We need to simply celebrate his victory. What we need to do is repeat what the Word says about our circumstances or situation. And we do that by stating what the Word says about our authority and our righteousness. All we must do is believe that. The devil wants us to look at ourselves and our failures and the curse around us, but we just need to remember that we have authority over the curse. We've been crucified with Christ. And we're not alive anymore. Now it's Christ who lives in us. Galatians 2.20 For I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ living in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith, the faith which is in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So when we remember what the Word of God says about us and about our circumstances, we can celebrate. So here's his prayer. You know, Father, this seems too too easy, but help me to start right now to believe that the devil is crippled. Oh, excuse me. This is the editor of that part of my book. Okay. Uh, Father, this seems too easy, but help me to start right now to believe that the devil is crippled. And as I read your word, I see the devil has been defeated. Help me to believe when my eyes have seen different results. Forgive my unbelief. As I read on, please put in my heart the victory you are bringing to my life and lives of my loved ones. Thank you for helping me to believe that I have received victory over every demon. Uh, The editor. Mm -hmm. Okay. uh, The true church will be saved from Babylon. Uh, I asked the Lord what to share, and my Bible fell open to this, and it is so encouraging concerning God's wayward sheep. Jeremiah 30, 1 through 24, says this, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. For lo, the days come, says the Lord, that I will turn again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. So this is the release of the captives of Babylon or Babylonish religion, you know, to return to their land and rebuild the kingdom as Cyrus did and Trump is doing. Jeremiah 29 and 20. Hear ye therefore the word of the Lord, all ye of the captivity, whom I have sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. 
And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with trial. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. Well, in a time of the fear of war between Babylon, Deep State, and the alliance of Medo-Persia, the man-child ministry will be in labor with Christ in them, the hope of glory, and will come out of the woman in travail of Revelation chapter 12, as the man-child did there. And verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Jacob, or Israel, is a type of the church, who is now in bondage to the deep state dragons, Babylonish religions, and factions, but they will be saved. His elect will be saved out of them. And it shall come to pass that in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck. I will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more make him their bondman. But they shall serve the Lord their God, and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Okay, this is an exciting word for the captives as it was in Jesus' time, um, the man-child David will, through truth and anointing, break the yoke of Babylonish religion and its strange leadership off of the elect of God. This apostate leadership is a stranger to the kingdom and is neither led of the Spirit nor trained of God. These false Christian religions of men are as they were in Jesus' day, and don't reflect discipleship to Christ in the least. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zelotes and all the, they're all still here today. Yes. Verse 10, Therefore fear thou not, O Jacob, my servant, says the Lord. Church, don't fear, right? Neither be dismayed, O Israel, for lo, I will save thee from afar, and thy seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return, and shall be quiet and at ease, and none shall make him afraid. For I am with thee, says the Lord, to save thee, for I will make a full end of all the nations whither I have scattered thee. But I will not make a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure, and will in no wise leave thee unpunished. Well, Babylon, deep state, Nazi, Satanists have taken over the nations through Operation Paperclip in the United States and through stealing the vote, blackmail, murder, bribes, lust, vaccines, etc., in the nations, and they are being beaten now by the alliance, but 
still are killing many and poisoning the land and the bodies of the people. Their criminal banks are failing. Paper dollars are worthless to make room for the gold-backed quantum financial system and uh, a new one world order empire is what this is all about. And it's one empire following the last, you know, as they do throughout history. And this is a type, of course, of the Medo-Persian Empire conquering the Babylonian Empire. Okay. Um, so we can see that Babylon is falling. It's very clear. Uh, verse 12. For thus saith the Lord, Thy hurt is incurable, and thy wound grievous. There is none to plead thy cause that thou mayest be bound up, that thou hast no healing medicines. Well, one look at the apostate churches from a renewed mind shows that they have been hopeless since their inception, born from the mother harlot. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power to live it. And we can certainly see that their medicines don't heal them. Instead, they poisoned them. And a lot of people are going to still discover this. 14. All thy lovers have forgotten thee. They seek thee not, for I have wounded thee with the wound of an enemy, with the chastisement of a cruel one, for the greatness of thine iniquity, because thy sins are increased. Well, the younger generation is departing from mom and dad's dead church and uh, look for something with life in it. The revivals out there are proving this. The world no longer respects the mother of harlots nor the daughter harlots. These churches have fallen under many a curse. Um, Satan and his demons take full advantage of them for they have no power or wisdom from God to defend themselves. Their sins are multiplied. For sin is a transgression of the word, which they ignore. Verse 15, Why criest thou for thy hurt? Thy pain is incurable. And that's because all their cures are man-made. The Rockefeller Hospital protocols ignore the test results of these drugs, uh, and that is because they are depopulationists. Mm -hmm. For the greatness of thine iniquity, because thy sins are increased, I have done these things unto thee. Yep, God is sovereign. God has brought this judgment because sin abounds in the daughter harlots. By God's grace, he is intent on saving his elect among them and judging their enemies so that this can be done. The college kids from backslidden denominations are even casting out demons in these days and in these revivals. <laughs> Praise God. You know, the, the so-called leaders are supposed to have been doing this all along. These signs will accompany them that believe. They don't believe. They're not believers according to the Scripture. Okay? 
So, but these kids are becoming believers. Isn't that something? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, right? 16. Therefore, all they that devour thee shall be devoured, and all thine adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity, and they shall despoil thee, shall be a spoil. Those that despoil thee shall be a spoil. And all that prey upon thee will give, will I give for a prey. For I will restore health unto thee. Ooh, isn't that good? And I will heal thee of thy wounds, says the Lord, because they have called thee an outcast, saying, It's Zion, whom no man seeketh after. Yes, it was departed from, empty, you know. But now they're coming back out of Babylon to rebuild. Mm -hmm. The apostate leadership has failed to cause any manifestation of Christ-likeness or his ministry to be in their churches because they have forgotten the Lord and his word. And verse 18 goes on to say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will turn again the captivity of Jacob's tents and have compassion on his dwelling places. And the city shall be builded upon its own hill, and the palace shall be inhabited after its own manner. So this is the rebuilding of the kingdom by the true Zion leadership. Isaiah 1 and 26, And I will restore thy judges as at the first, and thy counselors as at the beginning. And afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, a faithful town. Hallelujah. So from this restored end-time leadership of the man-child and bride, revival will come to the apostates who are elect. Right? And out of them shall proceed thanksgiving and the voice of them that make merry, and I will multiply them, and they shall not be few. And I will also glorify them, and they shall not be small. So glorifying them is to manifest Christ in them, the hope of glory. Second Corinthians 3 and 18, But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into that same image, from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. So we have to see that Christ has been given to us, that He lives in us. We don't longer live in us, right? Second Corinthians 4 and 6, Seeing that it is God that said, Light shall shine out of darkness, who shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. God in the face of Jesus Christ. So make sure you're seeing the real Jesus because he says it's going to come to pass. And this glory will come while we are in our mortal bodies, not as the dead churches have said in the hereafter. That's when they say you're going to get it. Don't worry about it now. Just sit on a pew, enjoy yourself, pay your tithes, and shut up. Okay. Well, 2 Corinthians four ten through 11 says, Always bearing about in the body the dying of Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered 
unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our what? Mortal flesh. They lied to you. (laughs) He's coming in mortal flesh. If you don't believe it, you can't have it. If you don't see him in the mirror, that's not faith. So these are the true believers who have signs following as Jesus said. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, excuse me, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul said the children are sanctified in the believing parents, or they will be unclean. And so we see this. 20. Their children also shall be as aforetime, and their congregation shall be established before me. And I will punish all that oppress them. Oh, he's doing it. God will defend the true church from invaders as he removed the factious from among us. And the liars became as Ananias and Sapphira, who died for their sins. Right? And their prince shall be of themselves, and their ruler shall proceed from the midst of them. And I will cause him to draw near. So notice it's the Lord doing this. It's not anybody attaining to anything. It's the Lord doing this. I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach unto me. For who is he that had boldness to approach unto me, says the Lord? Well, this prince speaks of the David Manchild reformers, the new leadership. Second Samuel 7 and 8. Now, therefore, thus saith, shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, and from the following the sheep, that thou shouldest be prince over my people. There it is, the prince, okay? Over my people, over Israel. And Ezekiel 34 and 24. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. So there's the prince. And through the reformers, the people will become his. And you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And as David defended the people, he judged the Edomites who constantly attacked their chosen brothers. Behold, the tempest of the Lord, even his wrath, is gone forth, a sweeping tempest. It shall burst upon the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed, until he have performed the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you shall understand it. Yes, and you're going to see it. The Lord in... The Davids will defend Zion, the bride, and judge the traitors of Edom. Isaiah sixty-two eleven, Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the earth, Say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward, that's Jesus, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He is coming, like he said, as the latter rain. In 63, 1 through 4, 
Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments of Bozrah? Bozrah is the sheepfold of Edom, right? This that is glorious in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine vat? I have trodden the wine press alone, and of the peoples there was no man with me. So this is a judgment from God, and not by God's army, right? We have uh, seen this in our dreams, right? Yea, I trod them in mine anger, and trampled them in my wrath, and their lifeblood is sprinkled upon the garments, my garments, and I have stained all my raiment. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. So God will redeem his elect from the hands of their enemies. Make no mistake about it, they are enemies. They um, act like Christians, they say they're Christians, but everything they do is in rebellion against God. Jeremiah 31, 1 through 40. At that time, says the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of, the, of Israel, and they shall be my people. John 10 and 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock, one shepherd. Mm-hmm. Verse 2, Thus saith the Lord, The people that were left of the sword found favor in the wilderness, even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest. So those who do not die by the sword, famine, pestilence of Babylon will receive grace in the wilderness tribulation where they will see provision out of heaven and victory over their enemies as the Israelites did. Verse 3. The Lord appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Again will I build thee, and thou shalt be built, O virgin of Israel. Again shalt thou be adorned with thy tabrets, and shall go forth in the dances of them that make merry. Praise the Lord. So the joy of the Lord will be on his people, for the knowledge of the Lord through his reformers will give them faith and peace. Amen. Isaiah 61, 1-3 The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them a garland for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, 
the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Amen. Verse 5, Again shalt thou plant vineyards upon the mountains of Samaria. I believe Samaria represents uh, raising fruit among those who are not true Jews by nature or true Christians by nature, right? The planters shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit thereof. For there shall be a day that the watchmen upon the hills of Ephraim shall cry, Arise ye, and let us go up to Zion unto the Lord our God. Well, Ephraim was said by Jacob to become, in the Hebrew, the fullness of nations. So now we see who Ephraim represents here. He represents the fullness of nations of God's people. And that's in Genesis 48 and 19. Truly, all the nations of God's people will submit to Zion, the bride. And uh, that's the new leadership. that They and the man-child who ruled over Jerusalem, which was the bride, which was David, you know, as a type, right? Verse 7. For thus saith the Lord, Sing with gladness for Jacob, and shout for the chief of the nations. Here it is again. Publish ye, praise ye, and say, O Lord, save thy people, the remnant of Israel. Israel has always been seen as a type of the church, whose remnant is one of four in the type of the sower. Remember, only one of the four bore fruit. Church means called out ones. We see a lot of people who are not coming out. In Jesus' day, those that came out of the denominations and followed him, he called the church. So the nations of people will come to worldwide Zion, the leadership of God's true church. Verse 8, Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the uttermost parts of the earth. And with them the blind and the lame, the woman with child, and her that travaileth with child together. A great company shall they return hither. They shall come with weeping, and with supplications will I lead them. So the woman with child represents Christ in this, in the church, right? In the people of the church. And she that travaileth with child. In other words, to bring forth Uh, the revelation of Christ in them to be seen of the people around, right? They shall come with weeping, with supplications will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by rivers of waters. That's the rivers of living waters, Jesus said, would come out of your innermost being. This spake he of the Spirit that they that believed on him were to receive, right? In a straight way that wherein they shall not stumble, for I am a father to Israel. And this is, of course, the Israel of God, quote unquote, the circumcised in heart rather than flesh. Romans 2 and 28 says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew 
who is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And he went on to say, And Ephraim is my firstborn. Ephraim was Joseph's secondborn son, who received the anointing of the firstborn. The church of all nations was the secondborn who received the Holy Spirit anointing of God to be his firstborn. You see the parallel there? The church is born of Jesus Christ, the last Adam of the new creation man. Jesus is the Father. He is the Adam of the new creation, not the old, not the letter, not the outward Jew, the inward Jew. Verse 10, Hear the word of the Lord, ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattereth Israel, that's into the captivity of the nations, like the church is right now, He that scattereth Israel will gather him, and keep him, as a shepherd doth his flock. For the Lord hath ransomed Jacob, and redeemed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. Well, Jacob, or Israel, his new name, right, is a type of the church, and will be redeemed from Babylon, deep state, and Edom, deep state factions, right, because they too belong to the same dragon. Um, verse 12, And they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, and shall flow unto the goodness of the Lord to the grain, and to the new wine, and to the oil, and to the young of the flock, and of the herd. And their soul shall be as a watered garden, and they shall not sorrow any more at all. Well, again, in Joel chapter 2, the beast that came against Zion was smitten, and these same blessings were given to Zion as the revival that came as the latter rain. Joel 2, 18 through 19, and also verse 23. Then was the Lord jealous for his land, and had pity on his people. And the Lord answered and said unto his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. There's the same blessing. And you shall be satisfied therewith, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. And verse 23. Be glad, then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he giveth you the former rain in just measure, and causeth to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month the latter rain. He is coming to give the latter rain. And the revival is plainly seen in the next verses. Verse 13 says, Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy, and will comfort them, and make them rejoice from their sorrow. 
and I will satiate the soul of the priests with fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation, bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refuses to be comforted for her children because they are not. They're dead, in other words. And this was spoken in the New Testament when Herod, an Edomite, killed the brethren of the man-child, Jesus. But he escaped, in parallel, of course, to the end time. So it will be in the end times. The Edomites are killing the brethren of the man-child, but he has escaped the dragon of Revelation 12. Thus saith the Lord, Refrain thy voice from weeping, Rachel, right? and thine eyes from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. Notice, they died in the text in the New Testament. God's saying that if you're in the land of the enemy, you are dead. You're not in your promised land. You're not walking on the promises of God. So we see here that that they were considered by God as dead when they were in captivity. But then they came back to life when returning to their promised land. In other words, standing on the promises. So this reminds me of Isaac's dream above, which, uh, where Jesus was going to set the captives free, just as the man-child will set the captives free as a repeat of history, because history always repeats, except on a larger scale. Verse 17, There is hope for thy latter end, says the Lord, and thy children shall come again to their own border. This represents resurrection life to those who returned to God from out of captivity to dead religion. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus, Thou hast chastised me, and I was chastised as a calf unaccustomed to the yoke. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned. For thou art the Lord my God. So it is God who grants this turning, which we call repentance. He grants repentance. Surely after that I was turned, I repented. And after that I was instructed, I smote upon my thigh. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. Yeah, the youth in Babylonish captivity. So this humbling will promote spiritual maturity, right? Verse 20, Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do earnestly remember him still. Therefore my heart yearneth for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, says the Lord. Well, remember now, Ephraim was called the fullness of nations. So this church of all nations will be granted repentance. Church means the called out ones. 
It's not the ones that don't come out. It's the one when Jesus spoke to the sheepfold. Those that heard his voice came out because they wouldn't hear another voice. Right? Verse 21. Set thee up waymarks. Make thee a guidepost. Set thy heart towards the highway, even the way by which thou wentest. Well, guideposts of uh, the word um, are to stay on the narrow road, which they departed from, right? Turn again, O virgin of Israel, turn again to these thy cities. How long wilt thou go hither and thither, O thou backsliding daughter? For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall encompass a man. So we know that Jesus is at the center of the woman, which is his church. He is coming again as a reformer body to his people through his word and his spirit. He will come to us as the rain, as the latter rain, Hosea said, right? Verse 23, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Yet again shall they use this speech in the land of Judah, and in the cities thereof, when I shall bring again their captivity. Lord, bless thee, O habitation of righteousness, O mountain of holiness. So they re return to their example, Zion, the mountain of holiness. And Judah and all the, the cities thereof shall dwell therein together, the husbandmen and they that go about with flocks. For I have satiated, satiated the weary soul, and every sorrowful soul have I replenished. Oh, praise the Lord. This represents the great restoration of Joel 2 through the latter rain. Upon this I awaked and, and beheld, and my sleep was sweet unto me. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and the seed of beast. Remember, this is the restoration. It's the return, and, and the place is empty. And this is, of course, meaning the seed of man and beast will be multiplied at this new beginning. The seed of beasts represents their livelihood and their economy. Okay? And it shall come to pass that like as I have watched over them to pluck up and to break down and to overthrow and to destroy and to afflict, so will I watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. In those days they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, the curse of the fathers will be passed on to the children. But then we see that this curse is broken. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers 
in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. In other words, the law. It wasn't the covenant of the law. Get out from under the law. Which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and in their heart. In their heart will I write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Hebrews thirteen twenty and 21. Now the God of peace, who brought again from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, with the blood of an eternal covenant, even our Lord Jesus, make you perfect in every good thing to do His will. Well, now that's a silly prayer if you don't believe in perfection, which is all through the Bible, letting you know they never did read their Bible. Make you perfect in every good thing to do His will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Philippians 2 and 13, For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. If God does that, you won't have any problems. <laughs> and He's going to do it. This is the real good news. Verse 34, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, will I remember no more. So we are now justified by faith. Right? Thus saith the Lord, who giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of, of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who stirreth up the sea, so that the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If these ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. So this is God's guarantee for the future of his elect or his chosen from among the nations. 37. Thus saith the Lord, If heaven above can be measured, and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, then will I also cast off all the seed of Israel, for all that they have done, says the Lord. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that the city shall be built to the Lord from the tower of Hananel unto the gate of the corner. And the measuring line shall go out further straight onward unto the hill Garib, and shall turn about unto Goa. And the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes, all the fields unto the brook Kidron, unto the corner of the horse gate towards the east, shall be holy unto the Lord. It shall not be plucked up, nor thrown down any more forever. And this speaks of the new, heavenly, born from above Zion, or Jerusalem, which will be resurrected. 
This will be resurrection life. Not like the old Jerusalem over there that's full of corruption and actually swallowed up by the deep state. Yeah, believe it or not. And that's the ones they're going after now. Amen. Well, Father, you are so kind to us. You know, to give us these precious promises that your people in bondage, in Babylonish religion, uh, who are your elect, are going to come out from among them and follow you in the coming days and under the ministry of the Reformers. Lord, uh, this is so exciting. Um, since in the very early part of my walk with you, Lord, uh, I remember wishing that God's people could see and uh, come out and follow you. And, uh, Lord, this is a great assurance that they're going to do just that when they're faced with the mighty truths that are going to be shared with them, the mighty gospel that's going to be shared with them, the latter rain that's going to be shared with them. Yes, once again, they're going to see the works of Jesus. They're going to see the mighty power of the Lord Jesus, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, providing food, etc., etc., he is our Jehovah Jireh, right? Our provider. He will provide for the people like Jesus did when he went into the wilderness with the disciples and multiplied the fishes and the loaves and healed the sick and cast out devils, etc., etc. We're going to see the days of Jesus again. Have you ever thought, I would love to have been around to see the days of Jesus well, you're here. <laughs> don't, let, don't let them take you out. Be around to see this. It's going to happen. A mighty, mighty revival is going to shake the whole earth. And, of course, it's going to make the devil mad and his children mad. Of course, there's got to be a persecution out there. But God, when God's people come fully into His kingdom, there is a place of a secret place of the Most High. And uh, that's under the shadow of the Almighty. And He's going to protect and bless His people. Make sure you're one of these elect and you have come out from among them and you have accepted the truth of God's Word. Uh, no, no. Not the truth according to Babylon religion or the harlot or the daughter harlots. Not according to them. They're in blindness. They're in darkness. They see the letter. They don't see the spirit. They don't even consider that these great and wonderful promises that we've just brought out here are talking to the church of our day, Israel of our day, and that this is going to resurrect them from among the dead. The out-resurrection from among the dead. Praise be to God, Father. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Please, please bring your latter rain. 
pour it out on the people. This will make uh, new persons out of them, as even Saul, who was filled with the Spirit of God, became another man. These will be new people and will be delivered and will be following you and will walk around as little Jesuses doing the exact same works of Jesus. This time they're going to believe the gospel. They're going to believe what Jesus called believers. These signs will accompany them that believe. Yeah. And he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. This time they're going to believe, not the hogwash of the harlot, but the truth. Jesus is the one who gets to describe what a believer is, and we got to believe him. <laughs> oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your wondrous works that you're going to do among your people to resurrect the dead out of the dead churches and bring them out as Jesus to do the work of God. Oh, glory be to God. Lord, we're looking forward to it. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Lord, you've instructed us with the dream I shared earlier to call on the Lord. Bring the man-child, Father. Bring the man-child. Resurrect the dead man-child. Bring the life of Christ in our midst. Let Jesus walk these streets. Let Jesus raise the dead. There are people dying. Oh, my gosh. The ambulances are running up and down the streets, you know, picking up people that have fallen over from the vaccine. Yep. And still there's people ignorant out there, even though they're seeing this happen in front of them. They're ignorant. They're trusting in the arm of the flesh, which is a good place to die. Okay. Yes, Lord, we need your healing power. There are many who are on their way to death, and they really don't have much of a choice if they've taken the vaccines. Uh of course, people are escaping that now. They're escaping that because they believe that Jesus, by His stripes, healed them. They are healed. But a lot of them don't know that. And they need somebody to share it with them. And when it is shared with them, they too can come out of that death spiral. Hallelujah. We don't need any goopy thing like a a med bed. We need Jesus. Again, we don't need to trust in man or his creation. It's not necessarily even the problem of the creation. It's trusting in the creation that God hates. Cursed is the man that trusts in man and maketh the flesh his arm. Cursed, he said. I believe the word. And we can see it all around us happening. Lord, send your power, send your anointing. There are many that will die in in less than two or three years, and many that others that will die in less than five years, but they're going to die because they did this thing unless they believe the gospel. 
The gospel was the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth it. Everyone. The gospel is the good news of what Jesus accomplished at the cross. Amen. So believe it. Speak it. Tell your friends that are worried about what they've done and the sickness that they brought upon themselves and the dying body that they're walking around in. Tell them the gospel. Tell them the good news that this is not a problem. Jesus solved this problem at the cross by whose stripes you were healed. He bore the curse upon himself so that we could have Abraham's blessings. He bore this curse upon himself. And yes, I know you did it to yourself, (laughs) but he also saved you from that. Okay. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we love you. You are so awesome. Please do it again, Lord. Please do it again. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Cast out the, the factious. Cast out the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Cast them out too. Lord, we, um, we know that you're going to resurrect your people and deliver them from bondage. We've, it's been stated over and over and over in these texts that we've looked at. It's a good thing. Yes, the Lord, you're coming to judge. You're coming to judge those who remain in that captivity. But you're also coming to accept their repentance, their cry to you, and also uh, heal and save and deliver. And Lord, we praise you for it. We know it's a done deal. It's not something we've got to beg you for. We, we do ask that you, Father, will send the Son in the form of this latter rain upon your people so that he may walk again on this earth and demonstrate the gospel. That's what Jesus did. He demonstrated the love of God, the gospel, the good news of what God did for us. He demonstrated it. And we're supposed to have been living in that ever since then. But we forgot the word. We got an idolatry with religion. And we forgot the word of God. And the people that taught us there didn't know the word of God. And couldn't do the works of Jesus. So Lord we thank you. That you're coming to save, to heal, and to deliver. We thank you. Thank you for your great mercy towards your people. Lord, you showed great mercy when you came the first time. That bunch of stiff-necked people, you called them, and yet you healed them, you delivered them, you saved them. Oh, my goodness. You showed great mercy. And again, you're going to do it. Show great mercy in doing the exact same thing in setting the captives free from the curse that they've been living under, from the devils that they've been serving, and so on and so forth. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your great mercy to your people. Thank you for setting the captives free. Thank you for sending our Lord Jesus to come and walk these streets again. Hallelujah. Oh, praise be to God. Well, thank you for joining us, saints. 
Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll do this again sometime. And if you need to, uh, go through this again and uh, get those promises down in your heart. God bless you. Amen. Good night. Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise, I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Jesus, I trust in you. And when I face that darkest night, what will be my guiding light? The shining rays of red and white. Jesus, I trust in you. In you I find mercy seated for all time. I am yours and you are mine, Lord Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, my Lord Jesus. Thank you.